Welcome down the rabbit hole again, folks, live from ISSA International 2012 Conference here in Walt uh, Disneyland uh, in Orange County, California, uh, Anaheim, California. I'm sitting with a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Eric Halperthwaite from Providence Health. And I finally, after a year of begging and asking, got him on the microphone. So I thought I'd just point that out right there. Um, but he, he's, he was on a panel earlier, and uh, we're going to title this one The Rise and Fall of Enterprise IT. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Raf. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm well. I'm fighting the urge to go sit outside poolside right now because it's absolutely gorgeous out there right now. My wife's sitting outside by the pool with a book, so actually with an iPad, and the book that she's reading is stored in the Amazon cloud. So it may not actually be her book anymore. Yeah, but speaking of the rise and fall of IT. <laughs> All right, so the panel you were uh, you were on earlier, um, again, sort of speaks to the rise and fall of enterprise IT. Give us a... 30-second summary or so of, uh, of that very, very interesting panel. So the panel was, uh, that was a, that was one aspect of the panel. The panel was um, uh, four CISOs, me, uh, Jack Jones from Huntington Bank, uh, Tammy Moskaitis from Time Warner, and, uh, and Robert Pittman from L.A. County. And really what we were doing is uh, letting Bob Bragdon rake us over the coals about whether we embrace change or not. Um, and... And so we all tried to pretend like we actually are agents of change rather than, you know, the typical uh, security Nazi with the no answer that most CISOs are seen as. So that kind of brings me to that point of shadow IT, right? Uh, this has been a concept that's been sort of the dirty word in IT security for in IT for years. Uh, shadow IT is the thing that everybody worried about. We tried to prevent it as much as possible. And then cloud happened. And shadow IT is, I don't know, it sounds like you kind of agree with us, it's starting to become the pervasive operating mode for a lot of organizations and CIOs that are just sick of IT. Yeah, so I was in a uh, panel, or I was in a session yesterday where somebody popped up a slide that said, uh, you know, say goodbye to IT as you know it, say hello to, to shadow IT. I don't know if I call it, I, I think shadow IT such, got such loaded uh, connotations to it, I don't know that I'd use it. Shadow IT, or, or I've heard people describe it as rogue IT, or, you know what it is? Let's be honest, is it is the, the people in your organization who run a business going out and getting the technology resources that they need in order to deliver products and services and make money. Because I'm not sure if all our security listeners get this or not. Your company is in business to make money. Your company's not in business to enable you to require 14-character passwords that are highly complex and change every 30 days. So with that in mind, how uh, how does security evolve with that from the mindset that you still see, unfortunately, a lot of. And it's changing, right? It's, let's be honest, it's changing because we realize that Darwin will run his course unless we, we flow with that change. But there is a significant portion of the population out there in, in information security and generally in IT that still uh, believes in the I control, the co- corporate destiny, and, if, and they need to come to me for their services and to enable them to do anything because I, I, otherwise I won't give them the technology to do so. Yeah, so um, 
so fundamentally, we should ask ourselves, why is this happening? Why are businesses, um, you led into this really well with what you were saying about, you know, enterprise IT, enterprise security, who, who acts like gatekeepers and who, uh, and, and I'll talk about that a little more in just a second, but, but fundamentally, why is this happening? Why is the company, why, why are business leaders, you know, VPs of whatever, going and contracting with Amazon uh, for their server infrastructure instead of coming to the enterprise IT organization and saying, I need more servers in the data center. Why is that happening? Well, the excuses, I used to be an Army recruiter. And, and the kids that joined the Army for me would tell their parents that they were joining the Army to get money for college, and they would tell me they were joining the Army because they wanted to travel and play with machine guns. Okay, so, so you, at the end of the day, that was really why they were joining the Army, but they told their parents it was money for college because that was a palatable answer to their parents. Why is that VP telling people that he's going to Amazon Web Services and getting server infrastructure there to run his line of business application? He says it's cheaper, it's faster, it's stronger, it's better. IT department then goes and does an ROI study and proves that it's not really cheaper. That's his excuse. That's his palatable answer that he gives to mom and dad. The real reason that that business leader is doing this is because he or she fundamentally cannot stand IT. So and that, that leads that leads me to a bit of a wow. It's a it's a bit of an interesting interesting place to put leave us in right there, but. When I started in IT, so this was 96, 97, um, the organizations that I was a part of, uh, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go buy capacity on demand. They didn't have the opportunity to go to somebody. I mean, if they did, you know, it, it wouldn't work out well because nobody really understood where all the wires were plugged in, where all the servers were, you know, who all the users were and all that stuff. So they didn't really get that. But over the years, that evolution I think is what we're talking about here. That evolution has happened from internal uh, IT to, to this as a service model because, as you said, the CIO can't stand IT anymore. Reasons why? Slow. You mean the CEO. Or, or the CEO, right. Yeah, if the CIO can't stand IT, they might want to think about the, what they're doing exactly. We'll call that a Freudian slip. <laughs> so, so let me... Uh, First of all, let's think about, I always have little anecdotes, as you might have noticed, to help folks understand what I'm trying to get at. Um, do you remember back in the 80s when nobody could figure out how to program their VCR? Well, my parents' uh, DVD player now blinks 000, but... Right, but, you know, the whole idea of the VCR was that you could record stuff off TV and watch it later. Now we have TiVo, which is super uber cool and actually does that for us in a way that makes sense. But anyway, in the 80s, nobody could program their VCR, and it always flashed zero, like you said. And yeah, yeah. And, and what? And, and the reason was that people didn't want to have to master the technology, right? So ultimately, finally, somebody came up with TiVo that does this for us almost without us having to think about it. Um, in fact, my TiVo box, once it figured out that I enjoy the show Vegas, started recording other shows that it thought was just like Vegas for me without me having to do anything. So, so that's kind of the, you know, uh, what, what the reality is. You were, and let me take fast forward to the 90s with IT, and you said, you know, nobody knew about 
uh, storage on demand and capacity, scaling capacity and yada, yada. And, but that's what they wanted, okay? The, the line of business, they don't want IT to be a critical business function. They want IT to be like their VCR. They just want to push the button on the remote and have the VCR turn on and start playing a show for them. They just want to push a button and have technology because they don't care about technology. They care about doing business. That's what, the, that's what us propeller heads forget. So that brings me back to an interesting anecdote. Is I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, so this sort of makes sense now looking back a couple of years back in IT where we, were, we would have these... Um, these project boards, right, where somebody would say, I need to stand up. We're lo thinking about prototyping some software. We need to do this. IT needs to go figure out you know, what what software we need, what servers we need. And we'd come back to them and say, okay, you need, you know, uh, 17 servers of this size and you need, you know, 27 switch ports of uh, 100 meg, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we'd need an extra T1 and we'd need several gigabytes of storage and all this stuff. And they would get, and I, I now it makes sense because all those glazed over looks like, I, why are you telling me this? I don't care. Just go make it work. Right. They just wanted to push the button on the remote and have the show play. They didn't want to have to figure out how to program it and which, you know, which uh, recording speed they needed to use and was it in beta or v VHS format. And they didn't want to know all that. They just wanted to push the button. And there's a, um, you know, so so that's that's a reality, I think, is that a business leader just wants to run his business, not have to worry about and And they really don't want to spend a ton of money on technology and have a great big technology organization exist. They don't see, they don't, they, they view that as a necessary evil, not as a reality of how you do business. They're, for them, a reality of how they do business is if they're going to have a e-commerce website that their customers can come to and get information about products and then buy them right then and there. They just want to click a button and have that thing exist. Yeah. And all the stuff that IT goes through to make it work is really painful to them. Where IT really lost the business is when they decided to call the employees of the business users. Okay, that's interesting. Why? Except for in the realm of technology, is the term user a positive or a negative term? That's a good point. It's usually it's usually a, you know the users and turn off the users. If you could just get rid of the, but you know come to think of it, it's generally a negative connotation, there, isn't it? But so non-IT think don't think about IT for a minute. Think about what's a user? It's somebody who's addicted to drugs, perhaps, or someone who manipulates and uses people. Or it is never somebody. We never use this word to talk about somebody in a good way. So now IT openly and publicly refers to their customers as users. And the business people grind their teeth every time you say that. You know, I never thought of it that way, but uh, that certainly presents things in an interesting light. Yeah, doesn't it though? I hadn't thought about it that way either until 
somebody who um, has a background in sociology pointed it out to me. So to kind of <laughs> to not not dwell on that because that's kind of a depressing fact. But so now, where do we go from? We have users of of technology, whether they're you know, we have people that use systems that that. Uh, um, now you're stumbling with how to describe them. Yeah, thanks a lot. Now, now I'm just trying to figure out a way not to say the word user. Um, so we have consumers of our technology. My my team and I are trying are working through this right now. How do we refer to people who, um, who interact with technology in our company as how do we refer to them in a way that's not negative? Yeah, I know. Cause I'm 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 sitting here stumbling, and I, the only thing I can think of is consumers of our of our services. That's one of the terms we've come up with. We've also decided to just refer to them as employees. Okay. Um, because employee has a very is a positive thing. You're somebody the company wants to have working for them, so you must be somebody good. So that's a big deal. But, but you know what else is a big deal? I mean, this is the next thing that I think has caused all of this that has brought about BYOD and consumerization. And then I'll tell you why that led to cloud computing. If you want to hear Eric's theory on all of this. Um, so what brought about BYOD and consumerization is the enterprise PC. Okay. I know, you know, we had to basically in the 90s, IT organizations were deploying uh, uh, PCs to people willy-nilly, right? And those, those employees were using those PCs and they weren't standardized and you couldn't patch them and you couldn't upgrade them and all those great things that we want to do and you couldn't put antivirus on them and they had 42 different non-standard applications and and it was a horrific cost well what was really a horrific cost was how much the IT department was costing not how much the PCs were costing so the business put a lot of pressure on IT to cost less and the way one of the ways they did that was through the rise of the enterprise computer the managed computer that that the employee cannot install a screensaver of their wife and kids on you know those pictures of their wife and kids which they'd really like to do and they can't play angry birds on it and they can only surf to three different websites that you've deemed permissible but but heaven forbid that they want to go on Facebook really quick and see what their uh, what their friends and family are doing right and and so on and so forth so but at home they had this really usable computer and then at work they had this really unusable computer and they hate that work computer so they'll spend so they'll spend as little time on it as possible i guess so then we gave them vpn and they could use their usable computer at home coming in on vpn and they said well why can't i just use this computer all the time I, this is the second major reason for the downfall of IT, is that our employees, our customers, our consumers of goods and services have figured out that their personal PC is way more functional and can do all the same stuff that their work PC can do. So now they're demanding that they get to be able to do it. That's where BYOD and consumerization comes from. Okay, so now we've got, so, so this whole notion that uh, IT is... Um 
is sort of falling out of favor with the enterprise. Um, I think you've just made that abundantly clear. So what's the solu- there's got to be an Eric solution to this, right? Well, we'll see about that. So that 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 led to the rise of cloud, right? Because because once once you sat at home and used Gmail for the for a little while, you said, "Well, what's wrong with this cloud stuff? It works really good." And so that's why now, because our our employees and our business leaders have gotten used to using Gmail at home, now when somebody says, "Hey, you know what? I have a I have this really cool web product that I can sell you that will help you run your business better. They go, oh, that makes sense. Why not? Because they're already used to it from things like Gmail. So is uh, you, you mentioned before we started recording, there's <clears throat> Darwin's taking care of essentially the uh, those that still think in enterprise IT that they control the business. And so... It seems like again we're back to um, move with it or, or or be consumed by the wave, right? Um, and that's that seems to be the the mode right now. Yeah, my friend Jack Jones says uh, Jack from Huntington Bank uh, says um, that uh, y- you can either ride the train or get run over by the train is the way he puts it. Uh, I tend to say that we're on the back of the tiger. And the tiger is damn pissed, and all we can do is hang on for dear life. That's where we're at. I mean, this is, a, and things are changing so fast. So, so you're right. I do have a th- set of thoughts about where we can go and what we can do, and they're going to be aimed more at at my security colleagues than my IT colleagues. My IT colleagues are going to go through a fundamental and painful transformation, and. And I think that in-house in information technology departments will continue to exist, but they will be radically different in the future, as will in-house information security departments. I know a lot of people are going to laugh and chuckle and whatever and think I'm not very, uh, think I'm way out of tune with things, but this is just like outsourcing was back in the 90s. It's like, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time till this happens. So at the end of the day, the in-house IT and information security organizations are going to have to move up the value chain to the place where they're all about helping the business do business, not about being propeller heads. And propeller heads are going to work for cloud, cloud, I'm making the little scare, you know, the little scare quotation marks, cloud, whatever we mean by that. They're going to work for people who provide technology to businesses to be consumed. Yep. Well, so on uh, on that uh, revelation, uh, that was that was a bit of uh, kind of like sticking your head first thing in, uh, in a bucket of ice water in the morning, I think, for a lot of the uh, a lot of the folks listening. But hopefully it's not entirely uh, out of the realm of, uh, of of your thinking if you're a CIO and you're listening to this or a CEO listening to this, in case I have CEOs that listen to this. Um, but you know what, Eric, I think you're, you're, you're largely correct. It, it's, there's going to be, as you said earlier, there's going to be one domino that will fall, one large enterprise company that will basically outsource all their uh, commoditized IT function, IT security function out to some provider and move IT entirely into that realm. And IT in-house will become business-level IT analysts. And you have to make a choice. And uh, it sounds like the, the drumbeat is there and, and, and the train is coming. You can get off the tracks and get on the train or make a loud splat noise as it passes you over. 
So, uh, and so on that note, I appreciate you finally sitting down with me. It was, it's been enlightening and I think uh, the audience will definitely enjoy this one. You've always got a bit of insight that, uh, that, uh, it's a little bit snarky. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit edgy, but, uh, I think it's grounded more realism than most people realize because you've got a ton of experience in this. Uh, and you happen to run a you know, reasonably small IT shop. <laughs> I, and let's, you know, I was one of the guys who was helping people outsource IT back in the day. So I know how this works. I know what's coming at you guys. Amazon is taking over your servers whether you like it or not. And uh, as Jeremy Clarkson says, on that bombshell, uh, we're going to end this one. And uh, so think about this, I guess, long and hard as you uh, as you stare at your data center and your IT folks and the rest of your career if you're just starting IT. Uh, become business relevant or, uh, or become gone. Um, so this is Raph. We're going to sign off on this episode, but I challenge you to take a listen to the other stuff that we've got published. And uh, next time, if you get a chance, go check out your local ISSA chapter. The International Show is a fantastic way to go listen to all the people that run the industry, uh, actually run it from behind the scenes in some cases. Um, so I, uh, I'd like to uh, say thanks to Eric for having me out here, and thanks for the ISSA conference. And uh, we'll see you next time in a different place in a different time. Thanks a lot. Take care.